Everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. Welcome to Poker Action Line, and this is part one of our best of shows to finish out 2018. As we move into the holiday season and finish out the year, we'll talk about a couple of the player of the year races that are nearly completed for 2018. We'll also carry some interviews from some of our best shows this year, and we'll talk with Kristen Bicknell, who was the 2017 player of the year, and most likely will be named that same award here in 2018 with just a month to go. Also, we'll talk with Matt Savage. It's always a, a great show when Matt joins us and talks a little bit about the state of poker in the United States and around the world. And we'll hear from Steve Blay, who we had a great interview with earlier in the year. He was the co-author of 2016 World Series of Poker Champion Quee Win. His autobiography that uh, was called From Vietnam to Vegas, great story of a, of a champion that was so interesting, and we had a great interview with Steve. In fact, we cut his interview into two parts because Steve is also the co-founder of advancedpokertraining.com, a great site that teaches uh, players about poker that you can uh, get on there and learn a lot about the game in the future, but we uh, split that second part about the site into a second interview, which we'll carry in part two of our best of 2018 shows. As we wind down the year, of course, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of news. Uh, let's start out with news for 2019, and that is the world's biggest poker series, the World Series of Poker, has made their first announcement about their dates in 2019 and it's not that we're shaking because they kind of stay around the same schedule every year and they're doing the same here in 2019 the series starts on may 28th and will be running through july 16th the most interesting thing about it is the 50th anniversary of the world series of poker uh is this year so we will have a special tournament to celebrate that anniversary called the Big 50. It's a $500 buy-in event with a $5 million guaranteed prize pool. That's right, $5 million guarantee, and first place will be a $1 million. So that event will run early in the series from May 30th to June 2nd and will be rake-free for each player's initial entry with all 500 going into the prize pool. And we look forward to that as it kind of kicks off things in the World Series of Poker this year. Not a lot of announcements about individual events. There have been a few, but we'll talk about that more in the beginning of next year, and we'll get to that as well. Also, a uh, big tournament just finished up, and as we always cover all the major tournaments here on Poker Action Line, we'll let you know that Ike Haxton was the winner of Super High Roller Bowl number 5, which was completed in December, and he won the biggest payday of his career, over $3.6 million. Uh, Haxton defeated Alex Foxen in head-to-head -head play to finish out the tournament. Foxen won over $2 million. Stephen Chidwick was third, and Adrian Mateos, the player of the year for the GPI in 2017, finished in fifth place. 
looking at the player of the year races, and there's still a little time to go uh, as we do the show, a couple of weeks here, but uh, the winners are pretty much uh, determined. Uh, Alex Foxen looks like he will be the winner of the GPI player of the year. Uh, he leads David Peters and Justin Bonomo without too many tournaments left, so I don't think that will change. Of course it could, but uh, we'll check it out uh, as the year finishes out. But Alex Foxen looks like he's going to be the player of the year. He, of course, won a big event down here at the Seminole Hard Rock, the 2650 tournament, and we followed that earlier in the year. That was uh, the place where I got a chance to talk to his girlfriend, who is the 2017 Female Player of the Year, Kristen Bicknell. She might also, and it looks like it's going to pretty much determine there, going to win the Female Player of the Year in 2018 as well. But it was one of my favorite interviews of the year. So let's listen to our conversation at the Seminole High Rock Poker Open with Kristen Bicknell. I'm with Kristen Bicknell, and she's watching her boyfriend Alex Foxen uh, in the last tournament of the night. And uh, I've always wanted to ask you about the Venetian tournament. Uh, before I do, I want to congratulate you on the breakthrough of season last year. I'm a big supporter of women in poker. I feel like it's the last frontier of the game. And anybody that leads the way like you, I, I have a lot of respect for. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And it's definitely something that inspires me to play more tournaments. I came from a cash game background and, you know, um, playing tournaments from time to time and seeing how small uh, the numbers were for women in the fields and seeing that, you know, women weren't really represented in poker very well. It definitely motivates me to, you know, study the game, play the game, be the best I can be and get in there and, you know, represent women. So right. I really appreciate that. Uh, I know Jessica Dolly real well, won the ladies okay. event this year yeah. and was very happy to see that. But we only had 4% in the main event women again. Yeah. Uh, I can't seem to get over that hump. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, I think it's such a complex issue. I could probably have a podcast, you know, we could probably sit and talk for an hour about it. Uh, I don't have really strong feelings about it. I think that in general, maybe maybe men just enjoy poker more than women. However, what I find is the important factor for me is that if there is a female who wants to play poker, I want to make sure she feels comfortable and she feels welcome. You know, it, sh it shouldn't... Um, it shouldn't be a man's sport. And the treatment of women has not been great in the past. But yeah. I think we're making some strides there, not just because of the Me Too movement or sure. anything like that, but because some men are always going to be jerks. Yeah. But yeah. it seems to be getting better. And I, and I think, you know, you probably try to convince people that there's yeah. a place for women at the table. Absolutely. And, you know, I feel that I'm treated pretty well from the poker community as a whole. And I think, like, it's nice to see. And I think that as I've had females say to me, you know, watching me, sit and compete with whoever at a high level that it inspires them and I think that it um, makes it seem like a more viable option for them to also play so I think that's really good just to open the doors and say you know you do belong at this whatever 25k table or okay. you know uh, the uh, Mid-States Poker Tour yeah. uh, out at the Venetian this summer away from the Rio and not at the World Series of Poker yeah. but uh, you got down to the final three. You're playing with Alex and another fellow, and I yep. can't think Kale. of his name right now. Okay. Yep. And uh, Kale Burns, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, the situation basically is you guys have a similar chip stacks. He has a much smaller one, and you fairly offered him to chop a couple of times, but yeah. he decided he didn't want to. Yeah, I did feel some level of 
I mean, I want to preface it with saying that I looked at Kayla as a friend, and me and Alex and Kayla were all very friendly, and I was pretty happy to get three-handed with both of them. I felt that we were probably, um, you know, we're all, I think we're all pretty good players. Uh, it was, I just thought, let's, like, flatten the payouts and play for the trophy and kind of take some of the pressure off, because it, it was starting to feel a little tense. Um, and I had never been in that situation before, you know, uh, competing with my boyfriend like three-handed. Me and Alex had made a final table before, and we've played yeah. together before. I mean, he's busted me out of like numbers, <laughs> numerous tournaments. But um, yeah, it was an interesting spot when we got three-handed. Uh, I know the big controversy comes up when me and Alex played a big bot versus each other, and at the time, Kale had, um, I think... I think between me and Alex, uh, I can't actually remember the numbers right now, but I think it was like 90% I, I do of the that chips. all the time. Yeah. I can never remember hands yeah. and stuff. All I know is Kale had like, I don't know, 13 big blinds, and we both had like 40 or something like that, and it felt disastrous getting into a pot with Alex, and, um, you know... It, it was a, a stressful hand to be in for so many reasons. Eventually, you chopped the tournament, uh, the two of you, after yeah. he was eliminated. Uh, to his credit, he wasn't the one who complained. It was some friend of his that made a big deal of it on Twitter. Yeah, And that's uh, true. turned it into a controversy, and there was accusations of collusion and cheating yeah. and this and that. And I really thought it was unfair. Uh, yeah. First of all, when you have two people, when you have th three people oh. left, and two of them have pretty big stacks, they're yeah. going to kind of work together to eliminate the other and person. It's natural, only, it's it only normal. And it's strategy. Mm -hmm. Like, that's just normal poker, and right. it happens at every single final table. Right. So it did feel a little bit like everyone was, um, you know, putting us under a microscope that wasn't really fair. Going into the event, when you see it's yeah, kind of yeah. heading down that way, yeah. did, are you, like, terrified? Like, I don't want to be in this position, really. No. I want to win. Yeah. But no, I'm excited. I think that definitely when we enter an event, we're like, let's get heads up. Mm -hmm. um, that you know, it's kind of the best case outcome. It's really fun going through the experience with him. Um, you know, as you go into like a day two, a day three, and you can talk poker hands, and you know, you're playing with the same players, and um, it's it's a fun experience. It's um, unfortunately now I feel like a little bit nervous for the future when it happens that you know that I'll be a little bit nervous to make sure that I'm, you know, trying to play as fairly as possible, even though I've always done that, and, you know, so is he. Um, but, yeah, no, it was just fun. I see you here playing in the high rollers and things yeah. like that. You're, you're, you just jump right in there, and you're not intimidated at all, which is the way it should be. Yeah. Uh, but, again, going back to some women in poker, they just uh, they don't want to put themselves in that position. Yeah, it's too bad. I mean, I, I, it motivates me when people underestimate me. I really, I'll take all of that, and uh, it really does push me to kind of compete. If, if you tell me, oh, you shouldn't go play that, you're not good enough or something, the first thing I want to do is go do it. So I, I, get, I like that. Female player of the year. Uh, so <laughs> what's ahead of you now? I mean, person of the year? Uh, <laughs> poker person of the year? It's a busy year coming up. Um, I'm feel like my schedule is packed until the World Series next year. Uh, I've just been poker stop, poker stop. I'm, it's August. I've still been living out of the same suitcase uh, since, really? I don't know, April yeah. <laughs> before the World Series. Yeah. So I'm going home tomorrow for the first time. I'm excited. But um, yeah, hopefully I get the, the female player of the year again. And I mean, if I could see what I can do in the overall right. GPI, that would be fun to, you know, maybe top five.
discipline. Last I, question here. Uh, your overall thoughts of uh, this whole outfit here and, and the way this things went this last two weeks. I think it was a really great series. I think it's really well done. Um, the big four, like the final table is happening like this today. It's kind of cool. It's really, yeah, it seems really exciting. Yeah, all the tournaments and the, the schedule was really nice. I felt like every day there was a good tournament to play, if, whether you wanted to go on like the higher end or the lower end. Uh, the cash games were good. I played those a little bit. It's a nice, comfortable venue. Yeah, I could have no complaints. It was a really well-done series, and um, I know Tony does a great job yeah. with this. Yeah. Well, best of luck. Uh, Thank you. I always know I'll be out there on your rail somewhere. Awesome. I really appreciate that. Okay. Thank, Thank you, you so much. <laughs> and that was Kristen Bicknell and my conversation with her at the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open back in August. Um, Kristen looks like she has a good chance to win Player of the Year honors here in 2018. Maria Ho and Maria Lampropoulos are right behind, but it looks like Kristen may take that uh, award for the second year in a row. And just like boxing, uh, I certainly um, recognize the fact that there are several different organizations that put together players the Player of the Year races. And similar to boxing, sometimes they uh, are a little bit similar, sometimes they overlap a bit, and sometimes they are not the same at all. And in fact, the card player race, which is still to be determined, has three different people atop their list. Jake Schindler, uh, Stephen Chidwick, and Justin Bonomo challenging for uh, the title there. In fourth place is David Peters and Alex uh, a little bit farther back in their calculations in fifth place. But Schindler looks like he's going to win the player of the year for card player. And those top four players are all high roller players that play in uh, smaller events with uh, some of the top players in the world with huge prizes and huge buy-ins. So a little bit different than the GPI, but we'll see what happens. But Foxen looks like he has uh, the best chance to win player of the year for the GPI. And you talk about your power couple. Uh, Alex and Kristen have been going out for over a year now. And uh, very interesting in that interview, the story about the tournament where they both made the final table. So um, some interesting things in the in the world of poker, and I always enjoy, uh, as you know, on the show we promote uh, women in poker quite a bit, and uh, you know that's a big part of our uh, outlook, Joe and I. And uh, you know, people are out there probably saying, "Oh, you just like to uh, interview all the hot chicks so you could hit on them." Well, you know, I know I got no chance, so that's really not the case. But uh, you know, much like at the poker tables. Uh, when I interview players and, and talk to them, I do like to talk to women poker players. Uh, they're pretty, they look good, they smell good. And uh, just like at the poker table, I, I would, don't mind having a, a beautiful woman playing next to me. Uh, you know, all women out there in the poker world have uh, increased their presence in the game. We still have not go, gotten over the top as far as uh, a major contribution to the uh World Series of Poker main event, but uh, I think that continues to grow, and we hope it will do so in the very near future. Let's take our first break here on the show. When we come back, we'll hear from uh, Stephen Belay. Later on in the show, we'll hear from Matt Savage. It always uh, kind of makes the best of show to include a Matt Savage interview because it really keeps you up to date on what's happening in the world of poker and his views as he looks at it from the inside and from a very close range as well. Let's take this break. We'll be back with more of the show when we return. You're listening to Poker Action Line, best of 2018, part one, here from South Florida. This is Poker Action Line. 
Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. A lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available. Welcome back to our Best of 2018 show, part number one, here on Poker Action Line as the year winds down. And one of our fun shows this year came back in May when we had Steve Blay on the program. Steve is the co-writer of a, a great book about the victory by Quee Win in the 2016 World Series of Poker main event. And he talks about how they uh, hooked up and got a chance to uh, talk poker strategy headed into the final table and how that worked out. And later he wrote the whole story about Quee's history and uh, his win there. They discuss uh, some 170 hands from the World Series of Poker final table, and uh, it's a great analysis of the championship win, not only from a personal level, but also on a strategy level. So we urge you to pick that up. It's called From Vietnam to Vegas, and is the story of Quy Win's win in the 2016 World Series of Poker. So this was our conversation. We actually have a second part to this interview, which we'll use in next week's show, and that regards Steve's uh, role as co-founder of AdvancedPokerTraining.com and some of the strategy things they help players with. You can sign up for that site and uh, learn a great deal about the game, improve your game in a very quick period of time. may not make you a world champion, but uh, certainly will help you uh, improve your game and get better as well. But we'll save that for next week. Here was our conversation as we sat down and talked about Quee Win earlier this year. Uh, Steve lives in Gainesville, and uh, he is uh, the co-writer of this book, as I mentioned, uh, the Quee Win's uh, autobiography of winning the 2016 World Series of Poker. Steve, thanks for uh, taking the time to uh, join me tonight. A lot of fun things to talk about, including your great site, which I've been looking at the last uh, couple of days. Great. Yeah, I'm uh, happy to be here, Dave. I'm looking forward to it. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, I noticed that... Uh, 
you went several years without any real poker results, and so I'm wondering if you quit playing there for a while before you got back into it when you got started teaching, or uh, what is your poker playing history over the years? Yeah, you know, I have, you're right that I've been playing a lot less than I used to. I used to be a, an online player, a semi-professional online player back before Black Friday. But as far as live poker playing, I have been uh, so uh, in the tank working on this advanced poker training site for the last 10 years or so that I play enough live poker to keep my skills sharp is the way I look at it. I try to... You know, living in Florida here, there's a lot of options, especially up in Gainesville. I can head over to Jacksonville or Daytona Beach or Tampa. Um, so I try to get out at least once a month and, uh, you know, and play cash games for a weekend, something like that, just to make sure I, uh, stay sharp. But, uh, but you're right. I don't, I don't play, certainly don't play anywhere close to full time anymore just because I'm so busy, uh, running advanced poker training and I do a lot of, uh, private coaching on the side as well. It's a good thing. The way I found uh, Steve, basically, besides being contacted by the book uh, and uh, they were setting up some interviews and that sort of thing, uh, I, you know, I put things off. And then I, I, I picked up a copy of Card Player that I had sitting in the table, and Steve was on the cover with his brother Alan, and uh, a complete discussion of of how the um, the coaching went with Qui back in the uh, World Series days and uh, how they've been brought this site along. And, and it's a really interesting story on how you got hooked up with Quee himself. Uh, tell us a little about that. Yeah, so I, that all sto- that, it is a really interesting story. That all started because I was contacted by PokerNews.com before the November 9. Of course, the November 9 is gone now, but most players remember that back in 2016, the final nine players in the World Series of Poker main event had to take about three or four months off, and they came back at the end of end of October, beginning of November, to play off for the for for all the money, and they were called the November Nine. So before except, the November except, Nine, except for one year, they were the October Nine or something. That's right. Yeah, and even the year, <laughs> even in 2016, it started on October 30th, right. so the final day was November. So yeah, but still called them the November Nine. Exactly. Um, so prior to that, Poker News contacted me and said, uh, and w- you know we'd done some work with Poker News in the past, a uh, little bit of advertising with them and writing some articles for them and that kind of thing. And uh, one of the writers at Poker News asked me, "Do you think you could use your your site to do a simulation of the November Nine? You know, create bots, create virtual, you know, robotic poker players that could simulate the personality styles." of all nine players at the final table, and then play them off against each other. So it sounded like a, an interesting challenge to me, so I looked up all the information I could find on all the nine players that were remaining, uh, anything, any articles about them, any hand histories we could find online, and I built uh, you know, virtual representations of all of them, and, and I played out the final table of the main event, uh, hundreds, thousands of times, and and we published the results on PokerNews.com, and and you know what we found is that this Qui Win bot I had made uh, was winning much more often than he really should have, and based on his chip stack, uh, he was you know he was second in chips behind Cliff Josephy, but he was winning a whole lot more than Cliff Josephy was, and. Uh, 
And so, you know, we uh, we came up with some theories about why that might be and maybe some of the other play, you know, Quee's aggressive style, which we knew he was a very aggressive player. Maybe the other guys didn't match up well against that kind of style. But um, but we published those results on PokerNews.com, and one thing led to another, and I was contacted by by Quee and his family, and, uh, you know, they, they had read the article, and uh, they, you know, basically said, okay, Mr. Smarty Pants, you think he can win this thing? Well, <laughs> you know, we're, we're going to fly your butt out here to Vegas and show him how to win it, you know? So uh, Really a, so a I, stroke of good fortune, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, just to give people some numbers, uh, out of 100, uh, uh, you know, simulations, I think Quee won 26 of them, and Cliff, who was the chip leader, as you mentioned, won only 17, and uh, Gordon Vai, who ended up finishing second, won 15. So, uh, in, in in theory, your 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 design predicted the winner of the of the the World Series of Poker that year. Yeah, yeah, and certainly that that number at 26 that was uh, you know statistically significant. It wasn't like he just he, he won a you know that, that was uh, let's say you know 30 percent more than Cliff Joseph. And again, Cliff was the chip leader, so it 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 appeared there was something. Uh, there was something to the way this Win bot was playing that the other players were having trouble with, and uh, and amazingly that that if any to anyone that watched the final table there, that's exactly how it turned out. Like they just did not know what to do with his hyper aggressive style, and he had uh, exceptional instincts the whole time, and uh, and you know so uh, so something in the way that that bot played uh, did reflect reality, and it played up played out pretty much just like the simulation said it would and uh and of course yeah as you as you said it was just really a stroke of luck for me to be in the right place at the right time to have that happen i mean this was any poker player's dream come true to be on the sidelines and uh help someone win the eight million dollars and of course it was just a, a wild adventure in las vegas and anyone who wants to read the story can either uh, you know, can pick up the book, or you can read about it in our our blog. Uh, but the whole story is told in the book here, as well as Quee uh, Win's life story. And we also review uh, over a hundred and seventy hands from the final table. We go into detail with the with the math behind them, as well as Quee's uh, you know Quee's take on all the hands and what he was actually thinking, going in depth into his thought process. So this book was a a huge amount of effort. I mean, I went into yeah. the what what you know it took me six months to crank this book out, working uh, pretty much full time on it, and uh, spending a lot of hours with Qui trying to really pick his brain and figure out what he was thinking on every hand. So uh, I'm you know I I'm I'm really proud of the book, uh, and I think it's uh, I think it's a just an exceptional learning tool for for tournament poker, just because Qui did make it. He made it look so easy at the final table there, and so you know, I think anyone would want to uh, read a book on you know what his uh, what his thought process was through those three days. Uh, before we get into the relationship between uh, uh, you and his team, there, uh, just a quick point about the bots. When people, the average person, hears poker bot. Uh, they kind of have a negative connotation because those people have used bots in the past to cheat online. Uh, it's also a high flute in competitions that they had through, uh, uh, I, I forget the college up there in the Northeast that uh, developed the contest, the two contests that they had against Doug Polk and some of those guys. But uh, it was either a high uh 
not understandable competition or it was cheating. So this was a completely different thing when you put together these uh, simulations representing these players. Yeah, and you're right. That term, people don't react well when you say bots. So I try to say virtual opponents whenever I can because, of course, my <laughs> my website, advancedpokertraining.com, that's the, the core product we offer is this ability you can play against these bots and you can uh, and, and as you play against them, they they learn your style and try to beat you, and they give you advice as you play against them as well. So they're not they're not bots in the sense of bots that try to play for real money and cheat. They're bots that try to help you train and make you a better poker player. Were uh, when he asked you to coach him, did that absolutely floor you? Were you completely shocked by that? Yeah, you know, I was, but I, I want to clarify right there from the beginning that I, I don't use that word coach to uh, to describe my role. I mean, Kui was he's just really, he's a phenomenal poker player. He just has such, he's like no one else I've ever worked with. He has just unbelievable intuition. And so we've been calling me uh, his advisor, his poker advisor, something like that sometimes. But I, I hesitate to ever use that word coach because he's, He's in it, in his own right. He's just a. I feel like I was part of his support network. I was on the rail to try to you know encourage him and uh, you know talk through hands with him. And and I was watching the uh, the broadcast. Of course, it was you know it was on a thirty minute delay, but it was being broadcast on ESPN. So while he was playing, um, I was watching the broadcast and feeding him information about what kind of hands his opponents were folding and that kind of thing. But so you were the uh, guy. You were the guy he went over to talk to thirty minutes later. Yes, and also we had Young Fan was was my uh, partner in crime over there. Young Fan may not be a household name, but he's a you know long time uh, professional poker player mm-hmm. from Los Angeles, and uh, and and Young was there as well. Uh, who he's uh, he was a uh, he's a he's a great coach, and uh, he he they had a you know there was a we had a great advantage on some of the other teams because. Young could communicate with Kui in his native Vietnamese, and of course, Kui was wearing a microphone uh, the whole time. And occasionally, you know, they would when uh, one of the players would go over and talk to their to their you know their team on the rail, they would actually televise that. And you could hear what they were talking about with their coaches or right, whoever. Right. Um, but of course. What young young fan and I would talk beforehand, and then when Kui came over, he would actually communicate directly with Young in Vietnamese. So, unless on the outside chance someone had, you know, one of the other players had a Vietnamese speaker on their team, there was no way they could understand the the strategy we were talking about. So you didn't even have to put your baseball glove in front of your place in front of your face. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Uh, yeah. When you uh, you had a few days, obviously the tournament, uh, you know, going on several days, uh, three days for the final table in itself. Uh, you were back. Were you back helping him out at all during the summer before he got to the final table, or it just basically started during that uh, off period? Yeah, I, I came out less than a week before the uh, final table started, okay. Okay. so that's all the time we had together. Now, what about uh, your relationship with his family and his his team there? They called it uh, Team Tommy Gun, uh, basically. Uh, without getting into too much uh, sordid details about drinking and uh, sexual exploits, uh, you guys had a good time, I, I assume, celebrating the win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. You know, the party was kind of tame afterwards. I mean, they, you know, when they finally won the thing, it was 4 a.m., um, and they, we had a, uh, you know, they had a, 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 a huge party planned for him up in the presidential suite on the top floor of the, 
of the Rio there. But the party was definitely kind of subdued because we were all just so tired. Oh, yeah, and, you know, I can this imagine. Just draining. I mean, if you if you would have watched the uh, the actual broadcast when he when he finally won uh, on the very last hand when he finally won, I had intended to jump over the rail and go tackle him or something like that. I don't even know exactly what I was planning, but I physically could not get over the rail. I'd been standing <laughs> there in the same place for ten hours that someone had to. Someone else got across, and then they had to grab me and drag me over the rail. And, uh, and this was caught on national TV. In fact, back here at uh, back here in Florida, so it was 4 a.m. in Vegas. It was 7 a.m. in Florida, and my wife and kids were already up. The kids were getting ready for school, and they were watching this on TV. And they they got to see me getting dragged across the rail. You know, and, uh, uh, that's funny. Uh, well, uh, this was a huge breakthrough in your career then. Uh, when you look back and you had started this uh, poker training site like in 2008, so this is, uh, you know, it's not an overnight success for something like this to happen to you eight years later. Uh, but what has it done for the site itself? Uh, it, you know, it's, it's really, it's put us, uh, I mean, we are the world's largest poker training site. We've grown, we just continue to grow and grow. I mean, we've, we've really been growing every year, but, uh, you know, ever since we first started the site, but um, obviously the last year and a half since since uh, Hui won the world championship, the the growth has really been exponential. Um, so you know that that's great. It just you know, I think I think what uh, what we have is an amazing product. There's really nothing else like it. But it was just the the matter of getting it uh, to you know there were a lot of people that still didn't know about us. And uh, there's nothing like being on national TV for three nights in a row yeah, uh, to to get the word out about your site. So okay, well, so we have it. Hang on to that thought because I want to get into uh, what's behind the site and what people can expect and how it can help their game. But let's take a quick break here on the show. Steve, hang on. I'll be back with you in a moment. Uh, but you can always pick up uh, Poker Action Line on SoundCloud, on iTunes, on all the places where you get your uh, podcast, We hope you'll join us. A lot of great guests this year and a lot of stuff still to come later in the summer, obviously, when the series gets underway. Uh, or you can go to our website at PokerActionLine.com and check out the show, and we hope you will do that. Uh, more with Steve Blay when we return. You're listening to Poker Action Line, and we'll be back after these messages. This is Poker Action Line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. WFO Radio, NHRA Nitro, is all about the NHRA Full Throttle Drag Racing Series. Join Joe at 7 p.m. Eastern each Tuesday night for the first edition of NHRA Nitro. Featuring the NHRA's Alan Reinhardt. Race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally. Every Tuesday night, following NHRA national events, NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime on the WFO radio application and at WFORadio.com. Welcome back to Poker Action Line. Big Dave Lemon. Uh, Joe will be back uh, in his chair next week. 
But my special guest tonight is Steve Blay, who is the co-author of From Vietnam to Vegas, the story of Quy Win's win in the WSOP main event in 2016. So uh, you can check that out. I guess that's available at all bookstores, or uh, it's a, I know the publisher is D&B Publishing, and so people can either go to the website or find the book uh, on uh, Barnes & Noble or wherever. Correct, Steve? That's correct. Yeah, you find it anywhere. dnbpoker.com is probably the easiest place, but it's on Amazon and all those other places as well. Okay, and tell me how you got involved with the book. Uh, I mean, obviously, you guys had talked about a lot of different things, I'm quite sure. And uh, whose idea was it to write the book and uh, that you would uh, ghostwrite it with him? So, uh, yeah, I, I don't remember who contacted who first, but uh, Dan and Byron are the D&B behind D&B Poker, and, you know, they're the largest poker publisher right now. And and we had a conversation shortly after the the big win, and we said, what, wouldn't it be cool to write a book kind of in the – in the same style as Gus Hansen's Every Hand Revealed. Right. Um, and where we actually go through day by day and, and uh, you know, pick out all the key hands from the final table and actually get Quee's perspective on them from his intuitive poker playing background and add in my perspective from, you know, I'm, I'm uh, really a poker academic at heart. So So our styles are very different and it just seemed to make for a, make for a really interesting book. So so they were on board with that right away. Um, of course I did you know, of course they knew this. I didn't realize how long it takes to to write a book and how much work goes into the, writing a book, right? <laughs> Honestly I may never have gotten into it because I mean I, <laughs> I literally spent six months of my life on this thing. Um, and then after all the editing and the production and all that, it was about a year really after the World Series that it eventually came out, right? It was, yeah, it was pr- pretty much a year um, after after all was said and done. And I could never have done it without Dan and Byron, just because, as you can, if, if you've seen the book, the book uh, looks fantastic. It's you know, it's one of those things you could never self-publish something like this. Um, but the the book itself is just is just I, I think it's great because uh, our, our styles contrast so much. And so I really I spent a ton of time with Kui really trying to dig deep into his thought process because his thought process is so not mathematical like mine is. Um, and he has this uh, this interesting take on poker that sometimes even defies the math behind it, but yet um, makes a lot of sense. You know, so I, I, um, he's a gambler. Yeah, so he's a gambler. That's He's one part gambler, but... Uh, the other part is things that really cannot be mathematically expressed but make complete sense. And I'll give you one example of that is that when it got down to three players on the final day, so you had Qui and Cliff Josephy and Gordon Vio, and Qui was single-minded about getting into some kind of confrontation with Cliff Josephy and knocking Cliff Josephy out. And, you know, the math behind that doesn't really support that attitude because anyone that knows a little bit about tournament poker strategy knows uh you know by the independent chip model ICM you want to avoid big confrontations uh you know whenever you get into a big confrontation with another player in a poker tournament the other players that are not involved in that confrontation end up benefiting from that because one of the two of you might get knocked out so 
the uh, the the mathematical poker logic says to avoid big confrontations. But Kui was adamant about doing battle with Chip uh, with Cliff Josephy and, and trying to knock him out, even if he was uh, getting the worst of it in in some kind of uh, all in confrontation. And so that doesn't make any sense mathematically, but his logic in that was that he had played against Gordon Vio for long enough that he knew that if it got down to him and Gordon Vio heads up, that Gordon didn't stand a chance against him, that he his aggressive style would would just bully Gordon around and, and he would have an easy win. So to him, knocking out Cliff Josephy was as good as handing him the bracelet and giving him the $8 million. And so even though the math didn't really justify it, let's say taking a uh, a 60-40 shot against Cliff Josephy where he might be uh, the underdog with only a 40% chance to win, his take was that that's a 40% chance of winning the $8 million. So I'm ready to gamble it up with Cliff. Absolutely. And you're, you're a poker math guy and uh, an expert on game theory. So uh, the actual connection between you and him seems uh, kind of surprising. Yeah, yeah. In some ways, we we make a good team because our styles are so different. But in other ways, our our styles are almost kind of mutually exclusive. Because it, you know, so I think it was good. I, I think we worked well together, at least kind of uh, both respecting each other's styles. And we had a lot of fun writing this book, just because uh, he would really uh, you know, he would really challenge me. Uh, um, you know, I, I would tell him, well, I, I don't know if I really agreed with that play. And he would say, well, why not? You know, what, what is it you don't agree with? And, and so he would really challenge me to back up, uh, you know, my, my mathematical take on things. And, uh, you know, I, I don't, he has, he has his own style of math that he does in his head. He doesn't, he doesn't have, um, you know, a, a very traditional education. He grew up in Vietnam, uh, in the late seventies, right after the, uh, in the Saigon after the Vietnam War, and uh, you know conditions were very difficult there, and he doesn't have a lot of formal education, uh, but he does have this different kind of math he does in his head, and so he would kind of challenge me uh, by by always looking at every poker problem from a totally different viewpoint. So, um, so it's it's I enjoy talking poker with him just because his style is so radically different than mine. We're talking with Steve Blay, uh, who, along with his brother Alan, developed AdvancedPokerTraining.com, one of the largest sites, maybe the largest site. I guess uh, I, I guess you only think of it in one way, but uh, uh, you guys developed this training site, which is very unique. And I want to get to that in just a minute, but just to close out on Kui, uh you had made the comment to me, uh, joking around, that he's living the rock star lifestyle. Of course, he won $8 million, and he really doesn't have to work again another day in his life. Uh, I don't even know how much poker he's still playing, but how has it changed him uh, winning this huge tournament? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, he definitely has has made some uh, some big purchases, as anyone with, with eight million dollars would. He's got a, a beautiful brand new house, and uh, um, he lives and, in uh, San Francisco area. No, he's he's still in Vegas. He's out in he Summerlin, which is like you know, kind of a wealthy area of right, Las sure, Vegas. Sure. Um, so. Uh, so yeah, he. Uh, but you know, as a person, he's uh, he's still. A, I I find him to be, to him to be a very down to earth guy. I mean, the the rock star lifestyle notwithstanding, we have some really fun conversations. And he has a son who his son is um, six now, maybe going on seven, and he's very devoted to his son, and they they spend a lot of time together. Um, and so you know, he's 
he's uh he's started to you know kind of uh maybe he's uh um he's he's definitely embracing the role as a dad and uh still kind of you know half maybe half rock star half stay at home dad kind of type so do you talk um, to him much uh, maybe, you know, once a month, something like that. We, we haven't been, I'm going to see him obviously this summer. I'm going to be out there for at least, you know, a week or two during the World Series. So I'm sure we'll see each other at that point. But, um, uh, we don't, it's not like we talk, uh, every day or something like that. Right. Uh, well, it's a, it's a great story. And, uh, you know, it's like catching lightning in a bottle in some ways, just as it is to win the main event. Uh, I guess my final question about him is we've seen guys, you know, do that, and then we never hear from him again. Peter Eastgate comes to mind. Uh, uh, you know, guys over the years that really haven't challenged in any major tournaments. Uh, P.S. Hines, I guess, is another. But uh, do you think that uh, Kui will uh, make another final table again someday? I think it would certainly be in his uh, abilities to do so. I mean, he hasn't been playing as much poker as he used to just be- since the win, just because he has been trying to... You know, spend more time with his son and do family things and just take it easy and enjoy the enjoy the winnings. Um, but you know, when when he's ready to put his mind back to it, I think he could achieve anything because really, I can't say enough what a what an exceptional poker player he is. He just has instincts like no other person I've ever worked with. And you know, you don't have to take my word for it. You can obviously you can watch a replay of the 2016 main event and you'll see that pretty much without exception he was right every single time when he put a read on somebody. Right. So uh yeah, just he's an he's an incredible poker player. Whenever he's ready to to start playing poker again full time and win another big event, I think it's totally within his grasp. And as I mentioned, we will Use the second part of this interview talking more about poker strategy and poker instruction. And Steve's site, Advanced Poker Training, will use that on next week's Best of Show and finish up our interview with him there. But let's move on to Matt Savage. Uh, Matt, of course, uh, one of the founders of the Tournament Directors Association for the Game of Poker and has been uh, a major contributor to the game for a long time. Has been, uh, as I mentioned in this interview, nominated uh, for the Poker Hall of Fame in the past, and uh, he talks about that a little bit and a few other things having to do with changes here and exciting situations in poker in 2018. So we wanted to talk to Matt. We did so at the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open in August, and here's what Matt had to say. I'm with Matt Savage here at SHRPO. We're winding things down. A couple of heads-up matches left, but uh, you just got to love this concept, especially the way it turned out today with all head-to-head matches going at the same time. Yeah, it's awesome. It was four heads-up matches at the same time. These guys playing for hundreds of thousands of dollars, life-changing money. And, uh, you know, this venue and this property really does a lot of things for poker players. I say it year after year, but uh, it just seems like the team of, uh, you know, William Mason, Tony Burns, and Larry Frank. They've just done so much for poker. I, um, you know, I'm honored to be able to come here every year. Well, it's, uh, you know, part of the credit goes to you as well. You work hard on these things as well. And, uh, you know, even though you're way across the country in California, you always make it a point to be here for this one. Yeah, this is a special one for me because it was kind of my concept that William and I developed, uh, the Big Four concept, uh, having it over a short amount of time. So, you know, People can come in just for the weekend and play these events, and now it's just become massive. 123 entries for a $25,500 high roller event, and you know, to be honest, 
plus whatever uh, entries, you know, players, and you know those reentries on top of that. It's just an amazing thing that they've built here. I've been doing this show for about eight years now, but I walk into the high roller and and the first day, and I just feel like a fanboy sometimes. You know, it's just incredible. Uh, I'm sure you don't get like that, but once in a while you might say, wow, it's amazing, I respect all these guys. Yeah, you know, the respect I have for the poker players uh, is always amazing because, you know, as a player myself, you know, when I get a chance to play, I know how tough it is to take those beats and uh, come back the next day, and these guys do it. Uh, They come back in, and they come back in firing, and it's uh, it's amazing to see, but uh, there's definitely a lot of talent in that high roller, a lot of talent in all of these events. Uh, but at the same time, the recreational players and local players are also well represented. I saw your name in the chip counts uh, in a couple of tournaments this summer. I think was it at the, at the series? Yeah, I played in a couple. Uh, I played in six events this summer. The closing? cashed in four of them. Uh, I did play in the main event. Okay. Uh, didn't do well in that one, but I did uh, play a charity event the night before, which I won. Uh, so I won my seat into the World Series that way, and it was a it was a good event. I mean, everything that. Uh, they do out in uh, Vegas over the summer. It's just growing year after year, and so uh, it's a great time to be out at, uh, in Las Vegas. But I think they do a, another good job here of representing themselves out there and bringing the players from the World Series in Las Vegas out to here to some of the hard rock. Speaking of charity, uh, they had a tremendous event last week here, the Jeff Conine event, and that uh, seems to get bigger every year. They uh, they did way more players this year than they have in the past couple of years. So uh, you know that's that's does its part to help society as well. Yeah, definitely 385 uh, entries, and they had a great charity auction. I ended up picking up a few items myself. So, uh, you know, anytime they're doing something for kids and uh, the Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital, I'll be a part of it. I think it was uh, an outstanding success. and uh, They do a lot here again for the, that charity. So uh, Jeff Conine stayed all the way to the bitter end. That's something that not all of the people that uh, run these charity events do. So uh, uh, kudos to him for doing that. Uh, a couple of questions, and I don't know, I, I, you probably won't get very judgmental here on this day, but uh, a couple things happened this summer. Uh, there was the Maurice Hawkins incident mm-hmm. where he was called an N-word by the, one of the other players. Uh, the guy justifiably was penalized, but then Jack Eiffel came up to him the next day and disqualified him from the tournament the following day. I guess it was right near the end of the night, so he had some time to think about it. And then some people complained because there was a real kind of disaster with Phil Hellmuth where he spoke out with three-handed play and a firefighter got eliminated from the main event because he influenced play and nothing happened to him. Uh, Did you think that was handled okay? Well, you know, I think that uh, the situation where he said that he's because he's on TV, and, you know, these type of things happen all the time, in his opinion. I don't agree with that. <laughs> I think he did influence action. He definitely should have got a penalty, in my opinion. Um, should he have received more than that? I don't think so. He did do the right thing by, you know, putting up a $10,000 uh, entry for this guy for next year. Yeah. And I think that's going to uh, smooth things over. But Phil is such a personality, you know, and, you know, he's under a lot of pressure. He's under a lot of, uh, you know, scrutiny because he's on television all the time. And that's just his style. But, uh, you know, love him or hate him, he's still Helmut. He's, uh, he's different. And the other one, contrasting? And Maurice, you know, if you know Maurice. Maurice gets under people's skin. I'm <laughs> sure maybe uh, he skin, might have uh, egged it on. Yeah, there's definitely still no place in poker yeah. for that. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that uh, steps were taken uh, to hopefully prevent this kind of thing from happening again in the future. Do you think you've been over backwards in the past to maybe 
not let yourself be influenced by the fame or the uh, you know the notoriety of the player? Uh, I think so. Yeah, you definitely don't want to have any kind of influence on that, and that's kind of been my mantra my whole career. Is I treat uh, first-time players the same as I would treat Phil Helmuth and Daniel Negreanu or any of those guys, because I think it's important uh, that if they see uh, a firm tournament director te- uh, treating those people the same as they're getting treated, they'll have no complaints and they'll come back and play more. One other, I want to ask you because I, I was just thinking. I wonder what Matt thought about this one, but. Uh, and people do that with you and Twitter all the time. They ask you about what, what happened on this one, what happened on that. Uh, it's in the big one for one drop when Rick Solomon exposed the ace in the hand. When I went back and watched it, I thought for sure he did that on purpose. Uh, as it turned out, it didn't really matter because the double knockout by Fader got the 10 on the river. and uh, uh, It didn't really influence the tournament at all. But to me, and Jack Effel was standing there, saw the ace exposed, what do you do in that situation? You know, to me, I wouldn't have had him expose it because the action that, of the player that had already seen the card didn't really affect that hand. And I think that uh, it's one situation where, you know, the rule is show one, show all. And I think that kind of got uh, mixed into the fact that, you know, maybe he would have seen it, but I don't believe he did. And I'm, I think it did affect the action. So uh, that's unfortunate. I never want an exposed card to influence the action. I'm sure he would have got a penalty after the hand if he hadn't got eliminated. But, uh, yeah. you know, it's one of those things where I think he was a little shocked by what he saw in his hand, and I don't think he was going to play it. But then when he saw it, he decided to make that decision to, to go ahead and call. So it's, uh, it's one of those things that's uh, it's tough uh, when you're there on the spot that if you look back afterwards, maybe you'd made a different decision. Okay, two other, couple other things. Uh, obviously, you want to talk about the Hall of Fame. Uh, you've been uh, nominated the last couple of years. You four, got, years. Like, <laughs> the last four years. Four years. Ago, that's, yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. But uh, you haven't got in yet. But everyone says it's just a matter of time. Yeah. It's always an honor to be nominated. And I think we talked about that last year when we were standing out here. Um, a big point in your life to get in? Yeah, it's a big point in my life. It would be great to get in. Uh, this was. A little different this year. My uh, father is in bad health, so I would really wanted to get in for him uh, this year and uh, hoping uh, he'll be around in the future for us to do that. So uh, it was a bit uh, sad for me not to get in. I know I was close again. I was told by Seth Polanski that I was real close and that I need to do a better job of lobbying the living members uh, to get in next year. Uh, so hopefully I get nominated again. But yeah, I mean, it's a lifetime achievement, a legacy that I want to leave for my family. And it's uh, through a lot of hard work that I hope I will get in someday. Okay, two more things, I promise. Uh, Bay 101, no tournament this year, wound the California swing. Everybody was very disappointed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Where does that stand? Is it coming back? Uh, I hope it's coming back. I just had some meetings out there with uh, Sam Quinto, their general manager, and uh, another uh, gentleman that handles all the finances. We got through the first two steps. Now we need to get to the owner who uh, would sign off on it officially. I believe that we will come back, and I'm hoping it will come back strong next year. Okay, and final thing, social experiment. Uh, went well. I think a lot of people liked it. Obviously, everyone's not going to be happy with it. Um, was it a bust or? Uh... Definitely not a bust. We had a 100k <laughs> guarantee on it, and we blew away the guarantee. So, anytime you can beat the guarantee by a lot, I think it's a success. Can you be that uh, strong and tell players what to do? Uh, definitely, it worked out fine. I mean, yeah. we didn't really have an issue, and a lot of players have played in it said they actually okay. appreciated the fact that yeah. it was something different. Uh, and you know, me as a guy that's on my phone all the time. I would love to play an event like that because 
I think it does distract you when you're on the phone, and I think it takes away from the play as well. Uh, it takes away from the social experiment and the social experience of the game. So uh, I'm going to do it again, probably during next year's LAPC. But uh, yeah, you are going to. It is coming back. Oh, definitely coming back. Oh, good. Yes. Okay. Well, I know not everybody can entertain people at their table like you do when you're there, so uh, it's not really a responsibility. But, uh, again, thanks for uh, coming out again this year and uh, doing such a great job with uh, Bill and uh, Tony. You got it. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, you know, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Always great talking to Matt, one of our uh, friends that we've developed over the years and certainly one of the preeminent experts in the game of poker, and uh, we look forward to talking with him again very soon. Uh, let's take our final break on the program. When we come back, we'll wrap things up for part one of our best of 2018 shows. And uh, we'll kind of give you a little news about the world of poker as we depart and preview next week's show, which will be posted one week from now. So uh, look forward to having you stick around to the end of the program. We'll be right back after these messages on Poker Action Line. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. A lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration, and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available. Welcome back to our Best of Show here for 2018. And as we close things out, we hope you'll enjoy the interviews that we played for you tonight. We'll be back with Part 2 next week where we'll talk with uh, Chris Moneymaker. We'll uh, replay our interview from uh, November that we uh, did with Chris outside of the Seminole Hard Rock and also uh, we'll visit that part two of the interview with Steve Blay and talk more about poker strategy and his site, Advanced Poker Training. Look forward to that. We'll also find a couple other things for you to listen to and uh, relive here in 2018. Uh, before we depart, uh, just uh, some final news as we head into 2019. Uh, some great news coming out of Michigan as b both sides of their assemblies, the Senate and the House in Michigan, have passed an online gambling bill including online poker and DFS. 
So we'll look forward to seeing if that gets through. It's headed for the governor's desk. It's an outgoing governor, and we'll see how he feels about it and whether he'll sign it or not. But there's a good chance that Michigan could become state number five, uh, along with the originals, uh, Delaware, uh, Nevada, and New Jersey. And then, of course, the latest edition that will get underway in 2019 in Pennsylvania. But we look forward to a possible increase in proliferation of the game across the country in 2019. On the downside, there has been an article released on Poker News you may or Poker News Daily that you may want to check out. And that involves the DOJ looking into the clarification of the Wire Act that came way back in 2011 under the Obama administration. Well, it's been considered a couple times whether uh, they would like to reverse that, and they'll take a close look uh, sometime this year. Who knows when they'll get to it? Of course, the DOJ in the United States very busy with the Mueller investigation and and all the investigations into the Trump administration, but um, they may find some time to take a look at this in 2019. And uh, I wouldn't get all worried about it right now till something, uh, some further news comes out about it. Uh, they did uh, try to. Um, reverse it back in 2014 in the legislature. That went nowhere. And of course, when 2017 rolled around and the uh, Trump administration took office in the White House, uh, Jeff Sessions, the attorney general, uh, was going through his confirmation hearings. Remember him? Uh, Sessions uh, talked about uh, the fact that he would look into it during his administration. And uh, there was plenty of call from some of his backers, including Sheldon Adelson, that they would actually uh, try to reverse that and take away online poker in the United States. But um, they're finally getting around to it sometime this year. Who knows? It looks like we may have a new attorney general in just a couple of months, Bill Barr. Uh, Who knows what uh, this other guy is going to do with the uh, Mueller investigation. But certainly a lot of things to happen in 2019, and I don't think this is uh, on the front burner at all. So... uh, We'll see what happens, but they will apparently take a look at the uh, legislation, uh, the clarification of the Wire Act that came back in 2011. So uh, we'll see what happens. Um, The uh, 5th District Court of Appeals ruled in 2002 that the Wire Act only applied to sports betting. So um, that was the original... uh, court decision that kind of opened the way and then the uh, interpretation that it only applied to sports betting under the Obama administration opened the way for online poker and uh, we've enjoyed it uh, in the time that we've had it and hope to keep it for many years to come and add on more states as we move into 2019 but we'll see what happens that's going to kind of bring an end to our show I do want to uh, let you know that next week on part two of the best of 2018 on poker action line We will listen to the interview we did with Chris Moneymaker in November. Uh, Really um, a premier ambassador for the game, Chris Moneymaker. And if you missed that, I hope you'll stick around to hear that again. Also, we'll visit part two of our show with Steve Blay and talk a little more about poker strategy and his site, Advanced Poker Training, and how you can help improve your game as you move into 2019 as well. But that's going to do it for the show. We'll find a couple other things to uh, keep you entertained here and uh, look forward to our regular spot back in the studio in 2019, the first week of January. Of course, uh, we want to thank our producer, Gio Ochoa, who does a great job, put this show together and all the shows throughout the year, and also Joe Costello, who uh, uses his home as a studio that allows us to put together the show in Pembroke Pines, and we certainly 
appreciate everything that they've done for us. And doing these best of shows kind of gives both of those guys and also Joe Rodriguez, my co-host, a chance to enjoy the holiday season with their families. We do want to wish everyone out there, and I'm sure Joe does as well, uh, a very happy holiday season, whether you celebrate Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or whatever uh, you do during the holidays. We hope that you have a great time and, of course, a very happy new year uh, as we head into 2019. Thanks for being with us on the show. We look forward to being with you throughout 2019, bringing a lot of great guests and a lot of good poker conversation. Poker Action Line, tell your friends about it here during the holiday season. Pick us up on SoundCloud or on the Hold'em Radio Network or on iTunes or go to our website, PokerActionLine.com. There's plenty of places where you get your podcast, where you'll find us as well. And we hope uh, you make us a regular part of your week in 2019 here on Poker Action Line. Thanks for being with us. I'm Big Dave Lemon saying so long until next week. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. 